Hey everyone, it's Aline. We'll get to the show in just a second, but I wanted to give you all a trigger warning. We do talk about sexual violence against women just a little bit in this show. Uh, so if that might be uh, triggering to you, um, please don't listen and we'll talk to you next week. Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse in their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Anne Vitsarek. Anne, welcome. Hi. Hi. Will you say your last name correctly since I know I, I, I said it highly Americanized? <laughs> it's Vitsarek. See? So it was pretty close. It was, it was, it was, kind, it was, it was kind of okay. <laughs> Anne, who are you? Uh, well, I always say that I live on the internet and in Berlin, so I'm from Germany. <laughs> and uh, I am a freelance digital media consultant, so I'm a freelancer here, but I travel all, like, all in German-speaking parts of this country, basically, <laughs> um, to, to help people to set up their social media strategies and that kind of stuff. And I'm also a feminist activist. And that has led me to becoming an author last year when I published a book, which is called Weil ein Aufschrei nicht reicht für ein Feministisch von heute, which basically translates to one outcry is not enough uh, for feminism of today. Yeah. So um, I'm also traveling a lot and doing readings uh, right now, which is, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> What is that like? Um going from being an online activist to having a book deal and like meeting people in person. Yeah, um, that was actually pretty crazy. I mean, maybe I should first talk about how this all came about because of course this was never my plan. It happened. <laughs> um, and it all started with this hashtag called Aufschrei, which means outcry in English. And um, that's a hashtag I started in the, at the beginning of 2013. And it accidentally sparked um, a whole debate in Germany about everyday sexism and how it's still existing and how this is still a sexual discrimination because um, mainly women shared their experiences with um, everyday sexism under this hashtag. And um, yeah, I since I started it um, with uh, the help of a few fellow activists, uh, but we actually didn't mean to to have this like this big thing come out of this. We just wanted to have this space online to to share our experiences. But um, eventually, more and more uh, women joined the conversation, so um, it got bigger and it got more media attention. And then, yeah, there was this whole debate going on which was uh quite overwhelming because uh germany talking about social media especially twitter and feminism uh, is not a thing that occurs regularly <laughs> so that was quite exciting and i gave a lot of interviews um and yeah sort of uh, uh was trying to to help pushing this uh, dialogue further and Uh, educating people on what sexism is and that it's not just gone because we have a female chancellor now. Um, and yeah, then I got offered uh, a book deal. And uh, that was something 
yeah, I, I don't know. At first I was like, okay, I've never actually thought about writing a book, but, um, now I think it was a very good decision because, um, yeah, of course having a book reaches other audiences, helps you. Like I, like I said before, I'm able to travel the country now and read from my book and, um, get in touch with all kinds of organizations about, um, yeah, about uh, feminism and how it's still needed today. So um, that's a lot of fun. That must have been a really, I don't know, I guess, surreal experience for you to go from being like talking to to people you know about sexism to being in the media to like two years is not really a lot of time. <laughs> And no. <laughs> kind of, I don't. I, I keep trying to think about like what what would I feel if um if that had happened? Like if that series of events has hap- had happened to me, and like mm. that seems like it'd be quite quite a a whirlwind of experiences. Um, definitely. I mean, the thing is, um, I have been a feminist activist before that, so of course this sort of came together organically. And uh, I already had uh, quite a bit of media experience because in 2011 in Berlin, I helped to co-organize the slut walk. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, you know, like in 2011, the whole slut walk movement was just starting and, and was going strong and spreading all over the, the globe. And um, I... Um, saw that for Berlin they were planning something similar and um I started the team I, I joined the team and um I was also part of the PR department so to speak so I also gave a lot of interviews there so that was actually a good way to prepare for the things that then of course I had no idea were still coming for me <laughs> yeah so what 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 is the slut walk can you tell tell people what mm-hmm. what that is of course. Um, so that is um, like a rally, like a protest march against sexual violence, rape culture. And um, it started in Toronto, Canada in 2011. And um, because uh, at the, I think at the university, they had like a safety training for students and there was an actual cop there and he told the the women there that if they don't want to get raped, uh, they shouldn't dress like sluts. So naturally they were outraged. And, um, so they started the slut walk trying to reclaim the label as something positive as well. So that's also something that has been criticized. Um, but, um, one part of the slut walk thing was that, um, people were wearing all kinds of clothes. So, um, of course, in the media, most most of them showed, um, especially the women who were wearing, um, like, sexy dresses and stuff like that. Um, but for me, what, what struck me most when I saw the pictures, because I actually followed the events quite from the beginning, um, because... Uh, feminist activists um, from the U.S. that I follow on Twitter was sharing the story. Um, But what struck me most were the pictures of women 
um, like walking in the streets in their everyday clothes and holding up a sign saying, this is what I wore when I was raped. Tell me it's my fault, you know? So, um, yeah. And it was just, I don't know. It felt like I had been writing about feminism and getting into feminist blogs and all that kind of stuff uh, a bit before that. And uh, I actually finally realized that I'm a feminist because of the internet. <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Before that, I still had this kind of uh, vision that feminism is like something from an older generation or um, has this sort of academic approach. And I never really gotten into this. And when I finally read the feminist blogs, especially the 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 one from the US, uh, like feministing.com, for example. Um, I finally understood that there are more people out there thinking like me and, you know, this whole mind-blowing experience when you realize, oh, there are more people like me out there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, also younger women, because in Germany we have this um, thing um, that um, we have a very prominent figure from the second wave uh, feminist movement and she's a lot in the media and it's she's always being treated as if she's the only one which is of course problematic and um so um there is not uh not, not the uh, the other generations of feminists are not really present in the media so um for me it was really empowering to yeah to find out there are more people and also at my age <laughs> out there uh, dealing with these kinds of issues and trying to figure out what they're about, but also not discussing everything on an academic level. So that was my access there. You know, it's it's interesting. I think that um, we have the same problem in the U.S. where we think of feminism as you know, the suffragettes in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. you know, marching, you know, marching for the right to vote and, and you know, yeah, everything's equal now. Why are you, um, why are you talking about feminism? But it's, um, you know, women are still very much oppressed in our society. Um, Absolutely. So, um, you know, and I, I think it's the same experience I had with, um, realizing how how much inequality there is in in racial relations mm-hmm. you know and how um you know the events of Ferguson Missouri were a real wake up call for me to because you know I'm I'm white and I was taught that you know that that racism was was dead and you know that all ended with um integration in the 1960s and that's simply mm. not true um but yeah, feminism is alive and breathing and evolving just like any other organism, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting how especially the media always tries to frame it differently and tries to say, Oh, feminism is dead, we don't need it anymore. What are you what are you women talking about? And you're just trying to get attention and that all that kind of stuff. So of course that um, especially happened with the Aufschrei hashtag as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing that, that Aufschrei made possible is to actually talk about these experiences again. So it now has become this sort of label for everyday sexism and, um, 
it's just um, so important to to find your language again for these experiences because before like the usual thing had happened you know it's like well you you're allowed to vote you're allowed to earn your own money and you're allowed to go to work and uh we even have like um, maternal leave and blah 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 so what are you even complaining about so that feminists nowadays don't push aside of course the achievements that are already there but we just say well there's still more mm -hmm. <laughs> and we want that <laughs> and we're not uh and and we're not going away before we get that so of course uh but i think now aufschrei definitely helped to make this status quo visible and um it's yes i mean of course the debate about everyday sexism is not as strong as it was at the beginning of 2013 but it's still ongoing and it's still there it's, it's still the background noise of our debates and um so i'm i'm very proud of what we um were able to achieve just by by speaking up by by sharing our stories and first of all uh we i mean it was basically when i um started this i reacted to um a woman that I'm now friends with, but then I, I just followed her on Twitter and we were, you know, sort of Twitter friends, but we never had met. And um, I, I didn't even know exactly what she looked like. And so um, she was sharing um, experiences with everyday sexism and in single tweets. So each tweet um, were like different experiences. And uh, I was reacting to that also because um, I wanted to, sh I, I, I saw this and I felt she was so brave and it resonated so deeply with me that um, I, I really wanted to share my own and to join this conversation and to give it more of an impact, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm really glad that more, more people felt that way. So what is everyday sexism? Ha. <laughs> so basically sexism is um the way where of a society that is deeply ingrained in the society where um men are expected to be a certain way and women are too. So first of all, we have a binary of genders, which of course is bullshit, but that's how this works. <laughs> so uh and the thing is that especially um in a patriarchal society that we also have um these gender roles that are assigned to men and women are always um uh um pushed on us in a way where men are yeah the better human beings and women are lesser human beings so we see this for example when um one of my pet peeves is that when a man is complaining about something he's like just putting his foot down and he's a real guy you know and when a woman does the same she is the annoying who's just whining and uh annoying so um that's for example how these double standards work but also of course coming with sexism when you have such a power um structure in play this also means that stuff like sexual violence is of course more condoned by society because it's just putting women, uh, women back in their place. 
So, um, yeah, of course, that's deeply problematic. And uh, we want to change that because that is not how a just society uh, looks like. Yeah. So I think that in, again, in the U.S. right now, there's the... um the admittance of um josh josh duggar's admittance that he mm. um molested some girls when he was a teenager um some of which were his sisters yeah and um the response has been really interesting to me that um there are, you know there are the Duggar family, you know, they believe in women dressing well, men too, dressing very modestly, keeping everything covered, um, mm. you know, long, you know, usually like longer sleeves, make sure that higher necklines, longer skirts. Um, and it, it, it's interesting to me that this is all so as not to tempt men, mm-hmm. um, cover yourself, um, so you don't tempt men. And then um, some of what I've heard also is, um, you know, like, why did God let this happen? Well, because um, you were dressing immodestly or you didn't pray enough or like it's all punishing well, women for being um, a certain way. Yeah. Right. So the perpetrator is let off the hook again. Yep. And. Um, it's been really fascinating to me to see how polarizing it's been. You know, a mm. lot of people saying, well, he was just, he was a teenager and should be forgiven. And I'm of a different opinion. Um, but I don't know. This is. Um, yeah. So it's often these stories are being framed in a way that, oh, they're destroying this poor man's life instead of looking at what he has actually done. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically rape culture. So that's the kind of culture that allows us to, to see sexual violence as something normal and mm. to accept it and, and yeah, and to excuse it also in a way by finding all these kinds of ways of blaming the victims, um, instead of looking at the, the, the people who actually did um, the bad thing, you know? So, um, yeah, but that's, I guess, a very good recent example. And it's so sad. It is. It is. Also, one of my favorite slogans, I think, also, I, don't, I don't know if it was from Slatwalk 2, but um, also it's in protest march. Um, it said uh, that rape existed before the miniskirt. And uh, this is so true because usually, and like you said in the example, I mean, the women dressed modestly and even not uh, tempting, so to speak, and still this happened to them. Mm-hmm. So um, it's clearly to see that all these excuses that people try to find that she, she had too much to drink and she was walking down the alley at night. What was she doing there? And uh, she wore this, she wore that, and she she let him on, and that kind of stuff is just, uh, yeah, it's just trying to reframe what actually happened. Oh yes, and yeah. it, it it's it happens. This is why everyday sexism it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's very depressing. It but is it's also why we have to fight this, right? Right. <laughs> um. So 
can we talk about your book a little bit? What, sure. um, can you talk more about what it's about? Like, obviously, sexism but, yeah. <laughs> and feminism, but can you talk about it a little bit more? Uh huh. So it's, it's kind of divided into parts. So the first part are different chapters on current problems that we still have. Like especially problems where people think, well, that's way in the past. It's all done now. We're all good here. So it's about, um, especially um, about uh, reproductive rights, about how beauty standards hurt our, um, especially women, um, how sexualized violence is still accepted and what rape culture is and how the concept of yes, yes, yes works. Um, how the whole um, work, um, like the, the the work of caregivers and uh, in the household, the family household, is, is still seen as something women have to do. Um, but also, there's uh, still a chapter of um, about LGBTQI and how um, we have this thing going on in Germany that people are always talking about we need to tolerate um, people who are outside the heterosexual or the, the, the cis norm. Um, but I'm pushing uh, for change towards we, we need to talk about acceptance. Tolerance is not enough. Mm-hmm. Tolerance is just, you know, it's just tolerance. <laughs> so um, that's part of the first uh, that's the first part of the book. And the second part is because I don't, I didn't just want to write a book where it's like, well, here, look how f-ed up everything is. Bye. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I also have a second part. Um, and in this part, I also explain once again, how Auschwitz started and, um, how I became a feminist because I think it's very important also to, to make transparent, yeah, your own process of, how, um, yeah, how I, I also was at, uh, at a point where I started sentences with, I'm not a feminist, but, you know, <laughs> and then something feminist came out of my mouth. So um, I think that helps uh, a lot of, especially women to realize that they don't have to be perfect, that feminism is work in progress. And I always want to make that transparent and yeah of course then the the second part is also filled with lots of advice on how to um yeah become active yourself maybe even an activist and uh yeah i hope and i'm quite happy that i could make it that way because i always meant it for um for people to to get active themselves so what are like the key three or four maybe points um, that you tell people for if they want to get to become an ad- activist or advocate? Um, well, I have a whole chapter on how to um, get started, but I think the most important one is um, to realize that you can't solve everything at once and to be okay with that. <laughs> so even if you ne- need to take a break, and we all need to do that because otherwise we just burn out. Um, it's fine. The world won't stop. It won't just, it will still be there and there will still be enough problems to solve. And, uh, 
but we need to be careful with our own resources. Um, I want to be people, uh, I want people to be aware, well aware of that because I think that's something, um, yeah, that, that can be easily, um, that's like an easy mistake to make that you jump right into it and then burn out because, uh, it's just too much because the, the whole thing, um, of seeing the world with all the issues that we still have. I mean, we just, this, this chat we just had here is a perfect example. It's also emotionally taxing to just talk about it. Right. Right. So you have to be aware of that. So you should also make sure that you have a network of people that support you and, um, who help you with whom you can, with whom you can just build new awesome stuff, start new projects and, uh, yeah, don't, don't go, uh, alone. I think <laughs> that's uh, one, uh, one of the other advices I can give. And, uh, yeah, I think another one is also to try and um, find things in all the bad stuff that is happening and that, that is, of course, still pressing um, to find things that empower yourself, to make sure that um, humor also plays a huge part in your work. <laughs> I thought feminists didn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> That's, of course, a nasty stereotype that's still there. Isn't it awful? It's the worst. It's so stupid. I mean, it's like, really? Can, can you just not make something else up at least? Right. New? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on the other hand, it's just fascinating how it's still being used. Like the all, but the whole um, man-hating, ugly, unfunny feminist and how it's still being used to especially uh, keep younger women uh, away from engaging politically, right? And it works. It works. It, it works. But on the other hand, I'm pretty happy to see, I mean, in, in the US, uh, you, you are more lucky than that. In, in Germany, it's, it's a different kind of story. But uh, when now people like Beyonce or Taylor Swift show themselves and say like, Hey, of course, yeah, I'm a feminist and you should be too. Uh -huh. <laughs> so having these role models, I think, um, is very, very important. And I'm very happy that we live in a time where this is, um, more becoming more normal now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's always surprising to people where I hear men who are like, you know, I don't, I don't think feminism is, is good. Like I'm not okay mm -hmm. with feminism. And I'm like, okay, so if you know if you're a straight you know straight guy do you want your wife to make you know the same amount of money that an, a man doing her job would make and they're like yeah of course and i'm like welcome to feminism you know like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not it's not about like man hating and pounding drums in the streets and you know it's just it's just about wanting to be treated the same um, well, I think there can be some pounding, uh, drum pounding. In the well, yeah. Even, so, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think the whole way is to realize that um, if you want to have a society where social justice is actually the reality, um, it's, it, it's, it's a society where not just one group can have it all and the other one have to deal with what they can get, you know? Mm. 
And um, because what's really mind-boggling for me is when men hear the word feminism and think, well, it just means that women are trying to flip the script and uh, want to oppress men instead of seeing that this means equal, like freedom for all genders so and respect and love for all genders right and um access to to um yeah to to making your way uh, according to your talents and not because some stupid gender role told you to to become that to get that certain kind of job mm -hmm. and um yeah i don't know i think It's it's very telling when men just because this femme is is in the word think um, that women would do the same thing just with women being the uh, the oppressor. Um, um, so this also means that the men actually know what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if people are put off by the word just because there's a femme in it that's um they still have to start uh even more at the beginning i think <laughs> and, and i i actually find myself i i was standing here thinking as you were talking that i don't really use the word feminist very frequently mm -hmm. um i i talk about i talk about issues but i don't mm -hmm. label them And I don't, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether, like, why that is. And I think it's because, as we've been talking about, feminism is such a loaded, misinterpreted word mm -hmm. that I just skip it because people stop listening when they hear it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's when the stereotypes just swamp their brains and the rest is shut out. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't, can't listen beyond that yeah 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 i mean it's, it helps to to work with examples like you mentioned the one where you have like a practical example for example how would you like to be your daughter being treated like this like that but to to um to cause empathy i think empathy is the key um to a lot of these issues being solved to make people aware that um, they wouldn't want to be treated like that. So why should other people? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, uh, for me, it also took a while to, to use like more of this vocabulary, um, of the, which is, quite common in, 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 in feminist debates and where I realize when I'm outside of this bubble that I still have to explain, mm -hmm. especially here <laughs> in, in Germany, um, we have this thing that we don't have a word or the word we have for sex and it's the same we do have for gender. So we have to work with the English word for gender. Mm. So that's already putting a lot of people off because they think, oh, this is like something, you know, um, I, I don't know what to think about this strange English word, you know, that right. kind of thing. So um, it's sometimes it's, it's harder to, to explain, but I think with a lot of examples, um, we can make it more accessible for people. And I mean, on the other hand, um, 
uh, aufschreien is a good um, example for this too. I mean, we have the studies. We have uh, the studies that show that around 60% uh, of women in Germany say that they have been sexually harassed in all kinds of places. So this is clear that this is not a single incident, but a structural problem. But once women were sharing their stories, like they were, other people were able to, to empathize and be able to grasp what it must be like this, to live this. So especially for a lot of men, this has been, I think, a reality check. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's part of the key um, to the solution to make people empathize. You know, language is such an interesting barrier. Um, I recently did a, an episode with um, a friend of mine. Um, her name is Ashley and she's mm -hmm. a transgender woman. And so she, she was like, I will come on and do like a transgender one-on-one episode with you. So you know, we can, we can ask really basic questions, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm happy to answer those for you. Um, and I was really grateful to her. But one thing that I realized was that how, how the language for a lot of things um, in, in English is um, still not formed and not solidified. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have, we use the term cisgender, which you used earlier about, mm -hmm. you know, like, you were you were born and the doctor looked and said, oh, this is a boy or this is a girl. And that's how you have always been. That's how you've always, you know, identified. And then, you know, that episode went up and I thought it would be a fairly uncontroversial episode. And then I had people writing me like cisgender is a really problematic word. And I'm like, oh, OK, you know, so. It, and it's interesting to me that um, and I guess it makes sense that. You know, it's not just English speaking countries or this is these these language barriers and, and this evolution of 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 terms is still happening, you know, and it's still like there's still debates over what words mean and whether they should be used or not. Absolutely. I mean, right now we have, we, for example, have um, this thing that some people are still using words like homophobia and some say well it's not a phobia because that's actually ableist to to use a phobia as a term here let's just call it it's a hostility against homosexual people so for example so um and i think that's very um very interesting because a few years ago nobody would have um addressed this not not on a larger scale so um, I think even, um, yeah, um, and that's what I um, was mentioning earlier too, that's part of it. And it's being a feminist and being aware of certain issues as, um, also means that you have to remain open to um, how things are developing. Um, of course, not at any, any cost, but I think um, we can only make progress if we are still debating and this is an ongoing process and it's not, you know, set in stone. <laughs> and uh, I mean, if it were, um, we would still have the kind of feminism that started with the suffragettes. So, and we know that wasn't very intersectional. So <laughs> um, we need to strive for more. And I think it's, um, 
it's something we should embrace and not see as well. Well, I have to have to use this other word, and I just learned this word. You know, right? <laughs> I think you just have to stay open-minded about these things. Yeah, not saying that it's always easy, but no. <laughs> um, it's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, who wants? I think you. Okay, the premise of my sh- of this show is you know equality for everybody. So I know I'm I'm mm-hmm. highly biased, but it's like <laughs> I I don't want uh feminism I don't want equal rights or equal treatment for women at the expense of other groups of people. Mm-hmm. Like my goal is to yeah, like definitely I have a an interest in making things better for women, but like it doesn't hurt anything to lift other people up as we're as we're going, you know. Absolutely. Especially um, when other people or other uh, marginalized groups have a different starting point. For example, me as a, as a white heterosexual woman, I come from a different place, uh, like a trans woman of color. And um, even in, in a rich and quite uh, nice country like Germany, where actually people could have it all, but they don't. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, and I think it's necessary to to make that visible instead of saying, well, everyone gets the same thing, um, but rather saying, well, let's see where people are still not um, at the table, uh, although they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we'll get there. Once, yeah. One step at a time, we'll get there. <laughs> Of course, baby steps and uh, also the big ones are just as important. <laughs> so I had Ash Dryden on the show. She was one of my early guests and mm-hmm. um, she's just absolutely amazing. I um, I love her. Yeah, yeah, she's 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 been so kind and generous to me and I love the work that she does. Um, but something that we were we talked about and I can't remember if it was actually in the episode or when we were talking beforehand is she said, you know, I'm not going to see real progress in my lifetime. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, the, the gist of it was kind of like, this is a, an uphill battle that is mm-hmm. being one millimeters at a time. Um, do you feel like that? Well, um, I know why she's feeling like, and I think it's, it's, for me, it's depending on my general mood. I mean, there are days where I'm like, of course, okay, everything is right. just, um, just everything is awful, and I want to become a set hermit. Set it all on fire. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> but then, of course, there are other days where um, I like recently in Germany, um, the law was passed, so we are going to have a gender quota for um, management boards. So, of course, that's still a small step, but it's it's just it's definitely a step in the right direction and right now people are pushing a lot because of the um referendum that took place in ireland because um of of uh, marriage for all um and right now a lot of people are using this momentum to get this also uh, done in, in germany so i think actually um there are um a lot of movements or a lot of, uh, of steps in the right direction. It's just, of course, a lot of pushback is there too. Um, but I think that's also why we need to to celebrate um, our achievements more. 
I think especially activists are very tend to um, just you know achieve something and then it's like okay that's done and now on to the next mm -hmm. one you know I think we also need to take our time to actually stand before that and realize this happened and we made it happen and it's possible and this is awesome you know <laughs> so I think that's that's definitely necessary too and I think um, activists just don't do that enough. <laughs> I think it's so easy, you know, you get, I, we do the same thing at work. So I'm a writer and it's like, we have this checklist of all these things that we need to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's fine that we, you know, I don't know, we wrote these 50 articles, but yeah, we have 797 left. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've got to, we've got to, you know, push forward instead of like, like you said, taking two seconds to stop and look and be like, oh, hey, you know, actually, is, yeah. yeah, like we're, we're doing all right. And I don't know. I don't know if that's um, a symptom of being goal oriented or if it's like just a symptom of humanity where, you know, we're always nothing is good enough. We're never satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe both. I don't know. But of course, right now, especially when it comes to work, uh, um, the, the mentality is a lot goal oriented. So that really doesn't help, especially with issues like racism and uh, sexism that which are structural and of course um not just well you're going to fight that one bad guy and then everything is over you know it's not this is not a video game and uh um so of course that's that makes it more um more taxing and uh, more exhausting but on the other hand um I don't know. I mean, the, the, the things that we have achieved, um, especially, I don't know, when I look my, at my grandma and she's like 90 years old now, yeah, <laughs> she's seen a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the things that have changed in a rather short amount of time show me that it's possible and, and that we always need to strive for more. Um, I guess when it, what it comes down to is just, uh, I'm, I'm an optimist. And uh, even though I have, uh, times where, uh, I'm deeply depressed by what is going on, um, I will always end up fighting and just continuing to, to, to do what's right. I think what it boils down to for me is that I believe in people. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I believe that people can change to to an extent. Again, it depends upon how optimistic I am on a given day. <laughs> but but I believe um, I believe in incremental change. You know, taking taking the hill a millimeter at a time. But I think that as you were saying, we also see those those bigger steps forward. Like you know. Um, equal right or equal marriage um, mm -hmm. in in Ireland and more and more states in the U.S. and you know hopefully in Germany soon and um, I don't know that kind of the the Star Trek utopian you know mm -hmm. everybody gets along like I don't know if that's possible um, mm -hmm. but I feel like we can always. Well, there will always be Ferengi, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Borg. Or the, yeah, I think we can all rally against the Borg. Yeah, I that mean, definitely. 
the Ferengi <laughs> have a lot, a long way to go too. I guess that's something we can point to. Well, things mm. might be still kind of bad for women now, but at least our society isn't like the Ferengi. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's just necessary to, to realize that. Also, I mean, one line in my book is uh, is actually um, um, where I'm discussing this whole thing uh, where people say, well, why do you call it feminism when it's meant for all? And I discuss, of course, that it has a historical background and I want to pay tribute to the people who came and fought before me. And I think um, it's also necessary to not call it humanism because it ignores the, the power structures. So all in all, it doesn't need a rebranding because if you are striving for radical change, this means that people will be pissed off. So when I piss certain people off, like the right conservative, for example, um, I know that I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> So that's also a good indicator. <laughs> you know, I don't even, my family is very conservative and I don't, I, there are just subjects that we don't talk about mm -hmm. just because we will fight. That must be tough though. I mean, um, well, I have a small family, um, so that helps and I don't see most of them very often. So that helps. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we are all like the last time I saw my uncle was in October and he was talking about how um, these minimum wage jobs that we have in the United States, like working at, at fast food restaurants and that kind of thing are meant for meant for teenagers. And, you know, yeah. they shouldn't be making $15 an hour because they don't need it. And it's like, well, OK, fine. If we go with your premise that it's it's meant for um, meant for teenagers, you know, whatever. But that's not the reality. It's not just mm -hmm. teenagers working these jobs. And I just I just sat there like it's just uh, I've learned when to pick my battles and that was mm -hmm. not one to pick. Yeah, yeah. But that's definitely also part of my advice in the book, too. It's just not every every battle is worth fighting, especially when you know well. What is the saying? You don't you don't have to show up to every war you're invited to something <laughs> yeah. something like that every battle yeah. you're invited to like you know you can you can choose whether to engage or not and there's I think there's a lot that I don't engage in yeah that's true I mean others are are actually I feel they're forced on me so that's, yeah. that's different like um now that I've become more of a public figure which is still new to me but um, <laughs> of course there will be random articles about how feminism sucks and how i especially suck by uh yeah huge media publications and then of course i have to decide so how what is the best strategy to respond to this right mm -hmm. so and this is definitely something that is so unnecessary i mean that is definitely something that's so annoying that people are still debating whether or not feminism today is doing the right thing instead of just you know give space for the actual issues that we need to talk about yeah <laughs> but yeah of course that would mean that we would actually have a debate and not just throw arguments at each other <laughs> it'd be tragic wouldn't it 
Yeah, that would be horrible. It, would be, it really would be the worst. <laughs> we could even get something out of this. I mean, who who wants that? Right. <laughs> Me. I do. I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I, um, I think that we're in such an interesting time and, you know, things like social media are such a double-edged sword, mm. you know, where it's. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that, um, I don't get dragged into things very often. So like I use Twitter a lot. Um, I, mm -hmm. I try to use it less and less over time. I kind of am trying to ramp down, but I really like Twitter, you know, mm -hmm. but, but someone like you with a larger, you know, a larger following and a book and, um, and being very involved in this movement, especially in Germany, like. These are all factors that mean that you get dragged into things when when you don't necessarily want to. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's it's such a complex social media has presented so many complicated problems um, that I'm really not sure how to solve. Yeah, well, the thing is, I think people always look at these new platforms and think that technology will actually solve the societal problems that we have mm. but the realization is that no it doesn't yeah. we still have to, to to change the whole thing um so that yeah women don't have to have to expect uh sexist uh, attacks on on twitter every day <laughs> just because for being a woman in public you know so yeah of course that is that is depressing but um actually the whole um, issue of hate speech and how it's being used um, on the internet to to push marginalized groups out of the space that they reclaim for that that they claim for themselves, um, and how this is a huge issue of freedom of speech. Actually, um, that has been um, has become a huge part of my work as well. So I'm trying to educate people on what is actually happening and uh, how. Yeah, what kinds of dynamics are at play and that, of course, the power structures that we have offline exist online as well. And the, the, the tools that we have to connect with each other can easily be abused to, uh, yeah, to attack people, too. Well, they were, you know, they were created by people with flaws who, oh, yeah, you know, I think are, are privileged, you know, the, the, the technological tools we use are more than likely created by a white guy or a mm -hmm. team of white men. And, um, they don't, you know, as a result of, they don't have to think about that. Yeah. Right. They, they've never had to stop and think it's just like, I see, uh, white men online talking about codes of conduct and how conferences, you know, I don't understand why conferences need codes of conduct. Well, of course you don't, because you've never felt threatened mm -hmm. in a public space exactly um so yeah there there are flaws and twitter twitter especially i think has a lot of flaws <laughs> yeah but it's uh, i mean the other thing is uh, um since i tour talk more about this um uh, recently um and i even gave a talk about this at a conference recently um people always think that now I hate the internet, you know? Um, and I'm like, no, I still love it. I know it's flaws and um, they are huge, to be honest. But um, I also want to make this 
an internet that includes people who don't yeah well who shows people um the the good parts of this whole thing and to who makes him that is accessible for people and not just for a certain group and uh where you know the whole the whole notion of uh well if you can take uh, the idiots who attack you on the internet you just have to go away mm. it's just not gonna fly i mean seriously what what kind of logic is that <laughs> That would mean that in the end, only the trolls and haters would be End there. Up, yep. And that's not the kind of internet we want. <laughs> it doesn't help anybody for so, sure. No, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, in the end, uh, I just, I, I want a better world in general. And the internet is part of that. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we're getting close to an hour here. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? The, the one thing, I don't, I don't know if this is part of the, this has to be part of the conversation now, but um, um, one question that I actually have for you. Sure. <laughs> because uh, I was wondering how you came across my work and, uh, um, yeah, I came up with the idea of contacting me. And, of course, I'm very happy about it, but um, since I'm German, I guess it's not <laughs> your everyday it's experience. Not, no, <laughs> so I actually have, um, I have several German listeners, actually. And Ooh. one of them emailed me, contacted me and said, hey, um, there's this really cool person doing this really cool thing here in Germany. And I think it'd be really neat if you talked to her. So oh, that's awesome. I emailed you and this happened. Oh, that's so sweet. I had no idea. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I'll, um, yeah. I'll email him and ask him if it's OK if I share his name with you and, and get back to yeah. you if he's all right with that. But of course. yeah, so that's. That's how it happened. And um, I'm really glad, really glad, because I don't know that I would have stumbled across your 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 work otherwise. So, see, yeah, but that's the other thing I think, um, or that's very important for me. I mean, like I said, I, I came or, I, or I, I, I finally realized that I'm a feminist because of the Internet. And uh, so my feminism and my network has always been international right from the beginning mm -hmm. because it's just so easy to connect with each other and uh, that is something I'm so grateful for <laughs> and I I wouldn't want to miss it <laughs> yeah I this is what the internet's for right like exactly meeting neat people and doing neat things yeah and also providing new sources of information and educating people and yeah I do have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. um, so your book is in German. Are there mm -hmm. any plans to translate it into other languages as far as you're aware? Not yet. I think that's part, uh, partly because it's just um, very focused on the German debates on these issues. For example, um, we had a huge debate over the access um, to the morning after pill, mm -hmm. which in, in, in the U.S. is completely different, but here it's being blocked by conservatives and hopefully now overthrown by the EU. So um, that has actually changed since I've written the book. That's the other thing. I mean, for me, it was just um, very exciting or, or new experience to, to write for, for a paper <laughs> instead of the web because, yeah, I just... It's just, it's just there. Uh -huh. I can't edit it. Yeah, I can't comment. It's it, harder. You know? <laughs> it can be harder. Yes, 
it's definitely hard. Also, I realized like how how many times I you know you put the the link in that is more helpful to understand a, a topic, or you embed a video, or I myself, of course, I love using GIFs, so that was hard to leave out. Yeah, <laughs> especially GIFs. But, yeah. How did you write without gifts? I don't know. I I know. Maybe <laughs> I will write I will write a book about how I could write without gifts. I don't know. <laughs> I will read it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's been a cute and um just very cool experience. And now it's just this part where I go out in the world and people talk to me and they say they read it and they they gave it to their to their mom, to their father, to to help them understand what this whole feminism thing is about. And that's just making me so happy. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So, Anne, how can people find you online? Well, of course, on Twitter. So my handle there is Martha Deer, referring to the Google song Martha, my dear. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And um, on um, if you want to look at the blog that I started, it's called kleiner3.org. It's very, it's a very German name, but it actually means it's the German word for less than three. Aww. So um, if you look at my Twitter handle, you will also easily find um, my website and the, and the blog. And um, the blog is, uh, I run this with other people. So we also frequently have guest authors and the whole team that, that writes for it. And uh, we all, yeah, we write about all kinds of things from politics to pop culture, always from a feminist perspective. And um, it's in German, of course, but <laughs> if there are any people out there who, for example, um, we have done this before actually with um, a blog post by Ash Dryden and Julie Pagano and that we translated that because they were so awesome that we think we thought we, we had to share this with more people. So if there are any people out there who think their blog post needs to be translated to German, to me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be wonderful if you'd leave a review or star rating on iTunes. And there's also a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Aline. It's A-L-E-E-N. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.